Hi, I'm Charles Christoph Carter. And I'm his mom, Ellen Carter. We'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of Serial Dreadfuls, your place to find original content covering everything from dark historical fiction to science fiction, horror, adventure, and the supernatural. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast provider of choice. Thank you. In our last episode, Greg Vivian was finally captured by Joe and Maynard in Tim and Kathy Ann Harvey's house. In an effort to distance herself from Greg Vivian and the chaos surrounding him, Kathy Ann faked having suffered abuse at his hands. And now, without further ado, the next episode of Yardwork, written by Charles and Ellen Carter, narrated by Ellen Carter. Listener discretion is advised. Pulling the stolen, faded blue Volkswagen off the road about 25 yards above his house, Tim swore to himself, What the hell is going on? Why are there so many police cars at Connie's house? He opened the door and with some effort he pulled himself out of the car. Slowly and on unsteady feet, he walked to where the forest began. He positioned himself behind a stand of naked young maples. Although the maple tree branches were empty, the young scrub pines in the foreground were three to four feet high, which he felt would hide him if he didn't make any overt movements. He didn't think they would be looking for him in the woods anyway. Standing there among the young group of maples, he had a fairly clear, unobstructed view of both houses. He leaned back to rest against the young tree behind him. He was already getting cold and tired. He had to wait until the police left before he surprised his darling wife. He stood there thinking back to the night he was stabbed. There had been someone asking him questions at the hospital. He tried to focus his thoughts. It had been Sheriff Martin. The sheriff had asked him if he saw who had stabbed him. He had lied and said no, but he knew it was Kathy Ann. He remembered the sudden pain in his shoulder, losing his balance and stumbling forward, hearing the guttural sound Kathy Ann made when she stabbed him the first time. Turning, he had seen her blue eyes stretched wide. She held the knife high and something green covered her mouth. She seemed surrounded by a mass of muted green and brown colors. He remembered being confused by that. Lying in the hospital bed later, he had tried to figure it out, but had come up with no explanation. But what did it matter? It had been Kathy Ann he had seen with the knife. He had heard people state that during life-threatening situations, time seemed to slow down. But any school kid knew that time neither slowed down nor sped up, so he dismissed what they said. That had all changed Thursday night. When he turned and saw Kathy Ann coming toward him with a knife held high, she looked like she was moving in slow motion. He knew he didn't know how, but he knew that she meant to plunge that knife into his heart. He couldn't remember if he had tripped or if his leg gave way. He didn't care. 
It was enough to make her miss her intended target. He could still hear the blade as she plunged it into his chest. He hadn't realized she was that strong. He hadn't believed it then, but now he knew how lucky he had been. But she wouldn't be so lucky. The sting of the cold air made him cough. He could taste blood in the back of his throat. I feel like shit, he said, leaning his head back against the tree. Oh, God, my head feels like it's going to explode. My chest and shoulder are killing me, but it will all be worth it when I get my hands on Kathy Ann. The palm of his left hand felt sticky. He lowered his head and looked down. His palm was turning red. A slow trickle of blood was coming from beneath the coat he'd taken from the old man's room. With his right hand, he carefully raised his coat sleeve. The old man's coat sleeve was becoming saturated with blood. He let out a sigh. How much longer are they going to be there? He said as he let his head fall back against the tree once more and closed his eyes. He felt himself begin to relax, drifting off into a deep, dark void. But his body's violent shivering wouldn't allow it. He heard voices. He opened his eyes, but they wouldn't focus. After several seconds, his vision cleared and he saw Hampton talking to Joe Martin. He watched as Hampton went back inside his house and brought his wife out. Carefully, and with the aid of a deputy, he helped her to the car. Tim hadn't seen her in a couple of days, and by the way they were handling her, it looked like the old crone was at death's door. He smiled. I never liked her anyway. When we first met, she gave me that look. Her head was held high to one side, looking at me from the corner of her eyes. That look that said, I don't like you. I don't trust you. Well, whether she knew it or not, the feeling was damn mutual. She was always hanging around our house, snooping, listening, putting her nose in our business, filling Kathy Ann's head with who knows what. Every time Kathy Ann and I had a fight, I could be sure she was around somewhere eavesdropping. He remembered the time when she didn't think he was at home. He overheard her tell Kathy Ann, You're much too young and pretty to stand for his nonsense. You should put the law on him or leave him. It's not like before when I was coming up. In this day and age, women don't have to suffer that kind of abuse. I think you should get your things and go. Find a safe place and turn him over to the law. Let them deal with him. I conveniently chose that moment to appear from around the corner of the house just as she finished that last statement. I still remember what I told the old crone. Isn't it convenient that you have to go? Kathy Ann and I have something we have to talk about. Say hello to Conrad for me. I pushed Kathy Ann into the house and slammed the door. I stood there at the living room window just as bold as you please, watching the old bat walk away in a huff, just hoping she'd turn around and see me looking at her. And she did. She turned and looked over her shoulder. She gave me that look of hers. I felt like taking my baseball bat out of the den and using her head for batting practice. When I was sure she was gone, I had a serious talk with Kathy Ann. I let her know that whatever that old bitch was filling her head with wasn't going to work. And if she tried to turn me over to the cops or leave, things would get a lot worse. I let her know I didn't want to do it, but it was her own fault. I made her understand I didn't want her listening to the crap that bitch was feeding her. If that busybody is back when I finish with Kathy Ann, I might just give death a hand and kick her ass through the door. He watched as Hampton pulled his car out of the driveway and started down the winding road. The deputy then took a rifle from his cruiser and walked back to the sheriff. 
The sheriff pointed to Hampton's house, and the deputy disappeared inside. More alert now, shivering, but not as bad as before, intently watching what was unfolding before him, he said incredulously, What the fuck is going on? He watched as Martin and a second deputy approached his house from opposite ends. The deputy, in a crouching, crawling position, moved toward his kitchen door. The sheriff flattened himself against the front of the house, just to one side of his front door. Kathy Ann, you bitch! I've only been in the hospital one day. What the fuck have you been doing? Moving to a different position, Tim tried to get a clearer view of what was happening. Suddenly, the front door burst open and Kathy Ann ran out. Martin caught her by one arm and swung her back against the house. They spoke with each other for a moment. He saw Martin pointing toward Hampton's driveway, and Kathy Ann ran in that direction. What the fuck? He thought, confused by what he was seeing. Martin entered the house. For the next ten minutes, nothing happened. Except for some leaves swirling and falling in the backyard, everything was quiet. His shoulder and chest no longer hurt. Except for feeling a little stiff, and he figured that was from standing in one spot for so long and feeling lightheaded, which he attributed to the loss of blood, he realized that he was feeling better than he had been. Finally, Martin and his deputy emerged from his house. Between them was a pale, naked man with rust-red hair. God damn it. Fucking Vivian was in my house with Kathy Ann. She's been fucking that bastard all this time. I'll be damned. The bitch is dead. The deputy the sheriff had sent into Connie's house earlier came running out. From where he stood hidden among the maples, Tim could hear the deputy scream, We got you, you son of a bitch! The deputy raised his rifle butt, and Martin quickly stepped between Vivian and his deputy. The deputy lowered the rifle, and the sheriff was saying something to him, but Tim couldn't hear what it was. He could see Vivian shifting his weight from one naked leg to the other. Everything became so quiet that he thought if he listened intently, he could hear part of what they were saying. Suddenly, Vivian yelled out, Hey, God damn it! I'm freezing my balls off! The deputy with the rifle screamed back, Shut your goddamn mouth, you baby killer! I hope you fucking freeze to death! After some head-scratching and nodding, the sheriff sent the other deputy to his vehicle. The man came back with a blanket. He draped it haphazardly over Vivian's shoulders and escorted him to one of the cruisers. The front door of that cruiser opened before he and Vivian got there, and Kathy Ann stepped out. Vivian stopped, even though the deputy was pushing him forward, and stared at Kathy Ann for a long moment. She stared back and finally turned away. She began to walk toward their house, but Martin stopped her. They talked for about five minutes. Tim began shivering more violently than he had before. His teeth were chattering. It was all he could do to keep from passing out. Hold it together. You can do this. You can do this, Tim told himself over the ringing in his ears. He leaned his weight against one of the small maples. Even though he'd shoved both hands into his coat pockets earlier, they were still cold and stiff. It was hard for him to flex them. Martin turned and walked toward his cruiser, and Kathy Ann slowly walked back to the house. That bastard deserves whatever he gets. I hope they fry his ass, he said and smiled. He felt like he had been watching a movie. The three vehicles pulled out of the driveway and sped down the winding road toward town. Within a few seconds, they were out of sight. Tim waited an extra few minutes to make sure that no one had stayed behind. Convinced finally that he and Kathy Ann were all alone, 
he left his hiding place in the woods and started his slow and arduous walk down the hill toward his house. The wind had died away. It was calm, but the leaves in the field behind his house were still swirling around like dust devils scurrying back and forth across the yard. It was odd, but he had more pressing things to concern himself with. She won't be expecting me. She never liked surprises, and I'm sure she won't like this one, Tim said with a smile. He could still hear the rustling of the cascading leaves when he reached the front door. He was breathing heavily. Surprised to find the door unlocked, he slipped inside, quietly closing it behind him. He could feel the warm air, sweet with the scent of ripening fruit, surrounding his shivering body like a soft blanket. He stood there listening for any sounds, but the house was still. Where was Kathy Ann? He could see down the hall through to the kitchen from where he stood, but he couldn't see all of it. He didn't know if she was in the kitchen, but if she was, she was probably looking out the window. She always did that when she was upset. She doesn't know I'm here. I just have to get to the den, and then I'm going to give her the biggest surprise of her life. He pushed away from the doorway and made his way as quietly as he could down the short foyer and into the living room. With a purpose, he began crossing the 200-year-old hardwood floor of the living room. Several boards groaned under his weight and gave a sharp squeak, the sound echoing through the quiet house. The sound startled him, but also stopped him. He listened. Up until now, everything had been perfect until the boards had given him away. He heard her determined steps coming from the kitchen. I just have to make it to the den, he thought, as he walked as quickly as he could to the door of the den. Stepping inside, he flattened himself against the interior wall just as he heard her footsteps stop in the corridor. He couldn't see her, but he could feel her looking into the living room, searching for whatever had made the noise. Not yet, he whispered. He waited for a few torturous moments to see if she would enter the living room and head towards the den. The phone rang. He heard her footsteps, but they were walking away from him. The front door opened and closed. He heard the lock and the door turn over. The phone rang again. The footsteps had more urgency than determination to them now. The phone rang a third time and she picked it up. Hello? The tea kettle began to whistle, its whistle growing louder. He used the noise it provided to move to his gun cabinet and unlock it. Which one? Which one? He mused. The shotgun will blow her pretty face off, but with the rifle I can put a shot right between those blue eyes of hers and blow the back of her head right off. With the sound of the whistling kettle in the background, he resorted to a childish game. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Moe was the rifle. He picked it up and turned towards the kitchen door as the kettle stopped. What the hell do you mean he's not there? Where is he? Kathy Ann asked. He couldn't just get up and walk out of the hospital. He has two stab wounds. There was a pause. Then he must still be there. Look, I'll be down there as soon as I hang up. He heard the cordless phone clatter across the counter and Kathy Ann swear, like hell I will. He heard the clink of china and knew she was preparing a cup of tea. He stood in front of the second den entrance that opened into the kitchen. He pushed the safety off. Click. The sharp sound of the safety as he released it echoed through the quiet room. Kathy Ann's head turned sharply away from the window in the direction of the sound. Their eyes met. A look of surprise and horror swept across her face as she stared at him as he stood there in the open doorway with the rifle pointed at her. 
He flashed a smile, one born of a man who had lost all reason. Surprise, he said. He wasn't ready for her response. She threw the cup of hot tea at his face. He reflexively pulled his head back, closing his eyes against the burning liquid, pulling the trigger at the same time. The sound was deafening in the small room. The shot went wild, hitting high on the wall just behind where she had been standing. Damn you, he screamed as the scalding liquid hit his face. He heard the kitchen door slam. God damn it, I knew I should have used the shotgun, he swore as he wiped his eyes. The adrenaline was surging through his veins as he lunged forward. You can run, but you can't hide. No, you can't hide, you fucking bitch. This might be more satisfying than if I'd shot her where she stood, he said, his laughter echoing maniacally through the empty kitchen. Kathy Ann, I'm going to blow your head off, you lying, cheating bitch, he screamed as he stumbled out of the kitchen door. His wounds were bleeding more profusely. Clutching his rifle, he left a trail of blood across the driveway and into the grass as he pursued Kathy Ann into the field behind their house. You stay away from me, Kathy Ann screamed as she ran ahead of him. I'm going to kill you, bitch, Tim yelled in a hoarse, breathy voice. I saw them bring Vivian out stark naked. You were fucking him, weren't you? He's the one you got to stab me, wasn't he? Kathy Ann was 15 yards ahead of him. She stopped and turned to face him. He was surprised to see anger and not fear on that pretty face of hers. No, I wasn't fucking Vivian, you bastard, Kathy Ann screamed back, and he wasn't the one who stabbed you. I did it. Do you hear me? I stabbed you myself. I never should have married you, you son of a bitch. I should have killed you. He realized then that what she was saying had to be the truth. That other figure that he thought he'd seen had to have been just a shadow, a trick of the light. It had been her all along and only her. He hadn't realized how much she must have hated him until now. He could hear it in her voice, see it in her face. You want to kill me? Why don't you be a man and do it up close and personal, Tim? Or are you afraid that this little knife of mine will be more than a match for that rifle of yours? She said, wielding the butcher knife she'd grabbed from the block on the counter as she had run out of the kitchen only moments before. He raised the rifle and took aim. She began to back up, screaming, No! Looking down the barrel over the peep sight, he could see the anger and hate on her face intensify. No, you bastard. Why don't you kill me up close and personal like a man? She repeated, brandishing the knife as she swung it wildly, slashing the air with its sharp blade. He leaned forward to take his shot. She screamed again. It was a scream that came from deep inside her, loathsome and guttural. No, why don't you be a man? Why don't you just be a man? That's when he first heard the sound, the sound of someone walking through the leaves. He raised his head to look around, but there wasn't anyone there. The sound was growing louder, coming closer. Kathy Ann was backing up into the leaves that were scattered across the field. She must have heard it too, because her screaming had suddenly stopped. She was standing there waiting, watching him, afraid to take her eyes off of him and look about. Seeing nothing, no one, he smiled and lowered his head again, taking aim. You want to see what I'm going to do to you, bitch? Well, here it comes. He leaned forward to brace himself for the recoil of the shot. No, she screamed again, and then Tim saw it. It rose from the ground. He saw the anger on Kathy Ann's face quickly fade, and like Quicksilver, saw it supplanted by an intense fear that, through the span of their short marriage, he'd never glimpsed before. 
He saw Kathy Ann's mouth move as though she were trying to call his name. She stepped forward. The assailant overtook her and Tim watched as she fell lifeless to the ground. He screamed, Kathy Ann, no! He fired two shots into her assailant. Tim stood there dumbfounded. He had never seen anything like it. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. The assailant moved across the meadow in his direction. There was a rattling sound that seemed to be coming from everywhere. Too late, Tim turned to run. He let out one high-pitched scream that was quickly lost in the cacophony of noise. And now, a preview of our next episode. A drunk Ronnie Boucher is lurking outside the cottage Jared Ross rented. Why is Boucher there? Please consider joining our Patreon site and becoming a Dreadnought. For only $3 a month, our Dreadnoughts get early access to free episodes, exclusive periodic commentary by the authors of the books and the creators of the podcast, exclusive access to episodes of the second half of each book as those episodes are released, and access to the entire back catalog of episodes as our podcast goes forward. Click the link in the show description now to become a dreadnought and aid in the conversion of the uninitiated masses.